Welcome to Eve Reloaded. I'm Chenyu Bakarich. And I'm Becky Louie. And today we're answering this question by columnist for The Guardian, Awa Marui, which is, can we please stop talking about Adele's body? The Adele in question is, of course, the pop songstress megastar who is famous for hits like Hello and Skyfall. According to this article, the internet has been obsessed with Adele's weight loss for a while now, and this is bad not just for Adele, but for all women. So, Becky, today I want to start with the idea that we should stop talking about Adele's body because this this article journalist thinks that that's not important. What's more important is the achievements that Adele has made and the work that she's produced. So should we try and separate a woman's worth from the way she looks? Well, absolutely. I think that article really highlights when she's saying, can we please stop talking about it? She's speaking for all women, like body image is a huge thing. Mm. And why are we so obsessed over women's externals when there's so much more to a woman than just what she looks like? Right. So I think the Bible has a lot to say on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I, I wanted to sneak this in early, as I, as I said. There's, um, the, I've got, I made a list of good-looking people in the Bible, just so you know, the Bible does talk about good-looking people. And so for the girls, there is Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Job's daughters, Samson's sister-in-law, who like sister-in-law as in his bride's sister is prettier than his bride as per um, her dad, Abigail, Bathsheba, Abishag, David's daughter Tamar, the bride, Vashti and Esther. So that's a lot of girls. There's the guys. So it's not just a girl thing, though, in the Bible. There's a whole list of good-looking guys in the Bible. <laughs> there's Joseph. There's Saul. There's David. His sons, Absalom and Adonijah. There's the king of Di- uh, Tyre. Um, there's also the handsome Egyptian, who's an enemy of God's people, and he has a spear. And he gets killed by that spear. But that's the two things we know about this handsome Egyptian, is he's handsome and he has a spear. <laughs> <laughs> so... Outward appearance is a real thing, um, but in the Bible, you know, it says man looks on the outward, God looks on the inside. So yeah. it, there is more to us than what is externally. Yeah, but this uh, journalist, she's putting forward that it's our achievements that we should be um, recognized for and celebrated for rather than the way we look. Is that what God says too? No, it's not. And I think the other thing is if we're trying to compare ourselves with Adele who has won 15 Grammys and she's on Time's most 100 influential list and I think in the article it says she paid more taxes than Facebook one year because she has so much money well I'm not in that top 100 (laughs) (laughs) so I think scripture says that um, our value is is not in what we do even like where it's not just external it's not in what we do but from the beginning from Genesis 1 we're made in God's image, and so our worth is not in what we do, but in the worth that God has given us in making us. Um, but even more than that, especially for women, and we need to hear this, is we're loved um, in that God shows his love for us by sending, um, by when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so that not only he made us, but he died for us because he loves us. And so the the Bible talks mostly about how we use our bodies rather than um, what they look like on the outside. 
What do you mean by how we use our bodies? Well, in terms of when I was trying to go, you know, uh, what does the Bible say about our body image and things like that? I, I saw in um, 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And also you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So it's not about what does your body look like? It's your body is a gift. Mm. It doesn't describe what it should be like. It's whatever he's given you is a gift. And it was bought at a price, at the, the price um, of Christ's blood. Um, so when you say the Bible talks about um, our body is a temple, I've heard that phrase a lot in a lot of different contexts. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes it's talking about the way you look, right? Um, as in people have taken that verse to mean we should care deeply about the way we look because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that the right way to read that verse? Well, in that passage, it's actually talking about sexual immorality and saying, don't sleep around. And it says, don't join your body in these things. So it's, I don't think... Um, it's not about weightlifting. It's not about weightlifting. <laughs> but it is about honouring God with your body in the way that you love others and you abstain from sin. Okay. So, I mean, another passage is Ephesians 2 when it talks about our salvation. You are saved by grace, through faith, not by works. But it goes on to say, but do the good works that God has prepared you, prepared for you. And how do you do good works in your bodies? Um, I just want to come to one of the quotes from this article. It says, Much of the world is still more interested in what goes into a woman's mouth than what comes out of it. I'm interested to follow this line of thought because would you agree with that? Or are we saying it's more important about like the character of a woman? Or Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm asking? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is more important than that. So she makes a great point. I mean, sometimes our world doesn't act like that, but I think scripture's with her on that one. You know, in um, 1 Timothy 4, it says bodily training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So um, what we do with our bodily bodies has something, but actually, yeah, what you say and how you're godly is more important than what your body looks like. Another thing you said earlier was that our body is a gift from God and... Um, it doesn't, you know, the Bible doesn't say what it should look like. If it's a gift from God, should we be content with what it looks like? Or should, you know, if you wanted to change the way you look, would that be a bad thing? Um, I think contentment is definitely a Christian thing. Like we are called to be content. Um, but it doesn't mean you can't change things. So uh, if you're seeking contentment, by changing things, you're chasing contentment, going, I will be content if I change my body. So I think Philippians 4, you know, Paul's not talking about whether I'm fat or thin or I have clear skin or not. He goes, you know, whether I am I'm have a lot or a little, whether I'm hungry or um, abounding, I have learned to be content. And so we need to be content in our bodies first. We could sub in there, slim or big. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can sub in that. And so he's in all things. So he doesn't add that to his list. But it's at the same time, like we have freedom. And God is actually also a God of beauty. So in um, Genesis 2.9, when God is planting the Garden of Eden and he makes all the trees spring up, it describes them as every tree that is pleasing to the eye 
and good for food. So it's not just good for food, it's actually pleasing to the eye. Like our, our God is a God of beauty. Um, Exodus 30 to 35 is five or six chapters describing how the tabernacle is mm. built with yeah. pomegranates and twisted linen of lilac and white and like special rocks, like, you know, all the, all the special things and the clothes mm. and all of those things. Like our God is, you know, you look around our world, you look at the sunrise, the sunset, our God is like delights in aesthetics. So we're allowed to enjoy the art of yeah, playing art with our body. Like you can enjoy painting. You can enjoy painting your body or doing things with those. Um, so I wouldn't say you're not allowed to pursue beauty. But I think if you're trying to pursue contentment in changing your body, that's the trap because scripture says you won't find it there. You find it in Christ. Um, yeah, and I think it's a very insidious trap that the world has set because it's almost almost every woman that I know wants to change something about her body. This particular trap is just kind of never-ending because especially if you're a woman who thinks they're too large to be like are unhappy with the largeness of their body and you think I when I reach this goal weight or if I reach this dress size then I'll be happy. But often it happens that when you get to that dress size, it's just never, you know, perfect enough. And I think even I've been in that situation where I think I'd, yeah, um, I'm a person. Actually, we should both kind of clarify that because this is a podcast and <laughs> you guys can't see what we look like. <laughs> I would say Becky and I both live in bodies that don't really draw much criticism from society. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we have the generally thin Asian, are they 16, are they 50? (laughs) (laughs) But certainly not for our size. We're not, um, as in people probably wouldn't say nasty things to us based on our size. No, no. And even so, I've still had thoughts that I would like to be slimmer, even though I have a body that most people think looks looks fine. Yep. Yeah. yeah, me too. Like that was convicting as we were, <laughs> I was thinking about this going, oh, am I content in my body? <laughs> <laughs> yes. so I think that particular trap that you were talking about is really insidious and very pervasive. Yeah, it's really hard. And so one thing I'm wrestling with is I'm going, ah, uh, I do want to lose weight because I have put on 20 kilos since my uni days, which was my peak fitness. I'm never going to get back to that. I've given birth to three kids. Like I've had, I've housed little people in my body for over two years. And that's an amazing thing. And um, that has changed my body and that's okay. But I'm like, Oh, I, I, am I just seeking health? Is that an idol? That's something I'm kind of wrestling with at the moment. Cause I'm like, Oh, if I lost this much, I think I'd be, that is a good goal because Actually, no, no, now I can walk up the stairs without being out of breath. <laughs> out of breath. <laughs> going, this is not good. Yeah. This is not good for um, being able to run around with the kids and serving people and loving people. So I'm going, you know, is my, I'm trying to get fit. Is that because I aesthetically, or is that just because I want to serve and love my family and the people around me more and just um, have better sleep because exercise, like exercise is really good. It just shouldn't be an idol, but 
So I play team sports and I get to hang out with adults without my children. <laughs> but I'm full of endorphins and, you know, shout out to the Frisbees. Um, yeah, now they have to listen to it. Now they have to listen to the podcast. Um, so, yeah, so I'm wrestling, you know, am I, are these good reasons to pursue, am I pursuing exercise or am I just trying to lose weight? And I think we should point out that, um, you know, health and size aren't inextricably linked. That, you, you know, there's health at lots of different sizes mm. and there are girls who are much heavier than us who are way fitter than us mm-hmm. and um yeah so people too often conflate those two ideas but that's not what we just want to make it clear that that's not what we're doing here yeah and yeah. that's that's really hard because people are really judgmental like yeah. if you have different people just have different metabolism and and then it's just harder for them and then society looks at them and go well you know you're lazy or you're not self-controlled and there are people that just eat KFC every day and they're skinny yeah can we talk a bit about the judgmental in society because um when we started discussing this topic I introduced you to the word fat phobia (laughs) (laughs) can you define that please (laughs) yeah so fat phobia I guess is that thing of people looking at um women particularly in larger bodies and um being rude about it and often you know that can be actually out loud or just in someone else's head making a woman who's larger feel uncomfortable when they're in public when they're eating when they're sitting next to you um it is really quite a, a yucky phenomenon in our society but when you were talking about how people look at a body and they might think that person is lazy or that they're um they don't have any self-discipline or something like that they're kind of linking a body shape with morality a, a moral kind of um standard that is such an interesting observation yeah it's really interesting and the thing with different body shapes is this changed through the ages like a different place different time it's not fat curvy voluptuous that was the good one and if you're skinny it's like that that was unattractive unattractive and you know and it was a size of um being a a larger size was a sign of glory and honor and also um status being rich it's interesting that we have put a moral value on it now and i think that's like uh, when you're taking out god as the maker of bodies and you're trying to find a new religion you're trying to find a religion in health or wellness that you ascribe a whole different set of values which is different from what the bible says is important yeah and i think we're called to as christians to speak into both the culture the, the culture that said curvy is good and skinny is bad and the culture that says skinny is good and curvy is bad james 2 says show no partiality you know mm. that one is talking about the rich man and the poor man you know if the rich man comes in you don't go oh you sit here poor man sit at my feet but we do that with the good-looking person, what our culture says is good-looking, we shouldn't treat them any different because God sees them differently from the way that our culture does. And I think um, that is such an important principle because all the kind of body positivity, I guess my language around body positivity and my thoughts around that has all been shaped really by secular media, by things like dove campaigns and like this article that this woman has written saying, you know, we shouldn't, we should focus less on women's bodies, but actually the Bible and Christians should really be flying the flag for this much more. Like we have a much, um, could you define body positivity? What do I mean by body positivity? Um, I guess the, 
the pushback against culture, which values women just for their, their looks. Also, the very kind of specific look that the media portrays. So it's um, it, historically, it's been like a white, tall, thin woman. There wasn't much diversity in kind of what an attractive person is. So kind of diversifying what beauty is, that's part of the body positivity movement. Um, I guess a bit of, you know, loving your body as well, at, at no matter what size or shape or whatever you are, which is kind of an interesting idea. Like, should we love our bodies or are they, you know, are they just serving us as we move through the world? That's another kind of quandary I haven't mm. unraveled. Well, I think, um, well, firstly, on the, the body positivity and those Dove campaigns, I think they're great. Like, they have got really good truth there. Um, with the Dove campaign, there was this stuff about where you kind of look at uniquely me for young girls and you go, I have this hair, I have this eyes, I have this mouth, I am unique, I am good at this, I am good at that. And it's kind of like, you are you and you're unique and be confident. Mm. But it's, it's missing something. It's missing the gospel. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, the universe made you and the universe made you unique, how do you know if the universe cares about you? Like, so what? You're unique. Every snowflake is unique and they just melt away. Mm. Um, but when you bring the biblical worldview of a loving creator God who lovingly formed each snowflake as unique for his own enjoyment and the few people that actually like look at it, um, but actually, he also formed us who is, you know, he, he says, God cares about the sparrows. How much more are you? So I'm going to assume a sparrow is higher than a snowflake because that has the breath of life. And so we are higher than a snowflake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he lovingly in, you know, in the Psalms, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and he loves us. So you are unique, but it's not just you're unique. God gave you those unique gifts. So I think there can be, it's more than just like a function on oh, my body is carrying it through it's no god god shaped you in that way he made you short he made you tall he gave you that hair he gave you those eyes he gave you your face he gave you your capacities um to to travel in like this is actually part of our identity is our body but not our value but also what we're looking forward to is new bodies mm. that have some continuation, you know, and we, this is a perishable body. We are going to put on the imperishable body in 1 Corinthians 15. This is a mortal body. We will have an immortal body. We'll have a glorious body. Um, well, that's interesting you say that about, you know, us loving our body in that way because God gave it to us and he made us and all that, which is kind of the opposite of what our author from this article was saying, which is it's not relevant. Please stop talking about it. As I've been trying to analyze it, there's identity and value. So she's saying, don't get your value from your body. Um, and I'm saying, yeah, because, but she's saying, don't get your value from your body. Get it from what you do or maybe who you really are, your true self. That is the thing to value. Um, but I think the Bible says that, that, unspecified thing is actually you're made in God's image and that he sees you and knows you and loves you because what if you haven't achieved everything what if you're not a good singer or you're not a good cook and you're the slowest person to run what if you you know you're just not good at anything or you're just really ordinary or you're not even you're not even the slowest person you're the fifth slowest so you're not even good at being slow (laughs) (laughs) what if you're just lukewarm at everything and you go I'm not even outstanding at being 
bad. Um, actually, you are made in God's image and he died for you. And so your value is not in what you've done or what you look like. All right. So um, does Christianity fit in with this body positivity movement? It doesn't clash as much as other ones. But I think when they're saying we're celebrating every shape and we're like, yeah, because God gave it to you. Mm, (laughs) That's the bit that we'll be adding. And when they say love yourself, why? Like they say, you know, get up, look in the mirror and say, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Um, Love yourself. Love yourself. Why? Like, you know, uh, a girl who doesn't know God on her worst days can say, love yourself. And they look at themselves and they don't love them. Or what if they can't? What if they can't dredge up those feelings to feel loved? What if they come from a broken home and they go, well, my parents don't love me because that's really sad. What if, you know, they don't have very many friends and they can't look to anyone and say, this person loves me. Where does body positivity come in there? Mm-hmm. Only in that she is made in the image of God and that he loves her. And his people, like we, should be ready to go. We will run to you with that unconditional love. Mm, yeah. We are ready to show you God's love. Like, please come and meet um, yeah. us because we can love you with the love that we have. So, yeah, the body positivity is great because they've identified the great lie. They've identified one of the lies of our age that is weighing down women at all ages, which is, you know, your value is in what you look like. And they say no. But then they go, your value is in what you do. And then we say, no, 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 the gospel is no, your value is not in what you do. Your value is in Christ because you can't do enough. Um, yeah. He's done it. Yeah, yeah. And like that is so much more powerful than just you're, you're a special snowflake. You're, you know, a beautiful, unique person. Yeah. Yes. You are redeemed. You're made in God's image. Because yeah. uniqueness by itself has no value except in the eye of the beholder and the ultimate beholder is God. And he already, and does he love you? The answer is yes. Mm. How do you know? The cross. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. What would you say to a Christian sister who struggles within herself about the way she feels about her body? This is not just a problem for people who don't know Jesus. And I think we swim in a culture of lies and scripture says Satan is a liar and the, the father of lies and we need to call out what are the lies what are the lies true value uh, your worth comes from what you look like yeah that's a lie yeah your worth comes in what you do that's a lie can i draw that out a bit because we know that um the world behaves differently towards people that are attractive compared Mm -hmm. to unattractive so it's not like a superficial lie it's a lie that has real world ramifications in some kind of like un- unconscious bias way, people who are more attractive are, um, are more likely to get jobs. They're more likely to get elected mm-hmm. in elections. You know, they're more likely to make more money. So yeah, this kind of filter that the world has put on for attractiveness actually does play out in um, like a real way. I think you told me the term thin privilege before. Did you want to define that term? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, I guess it's just the flip of the coin to fat phobia. So it's people who have that socially acceptable body that that the world sees as attractive, the world and the media and society, um, are, are treated better. They 
might be given more opportunities, they might have more friends, they might, um, you, you know, they know that when they eat something, they're not going to be uh, ridiculed, or um, if they show up to an event where there's like a women's uh, clothes swap, that there's going to be things there that fit them. Uh, so lots of little ways that people who have a socially acceptable body are privileged. Mm. I, and I think that idea, like even just talking about that, is really helpful in identifying the struggles that women have in this certain body size in our culture. I had never thought about, you know, like how, how that is a struggle. That is a real struggle that, you know, when you're going out and you're going to certain events that you would be thinking about if you're plus size. Um, but, but the thing I want to point out, and I, you know, I put the words in your mouth because we talked about it before, but <laughs> the language of privilege can actually be, um, unhelpful to all of us um, I think on both sides because it kind of nurtures this resentment of between body size as well you know they get all of this and I don't or um, what's your problem like um, yeah so I think using words like it's a struggle that we need to be aware of and see how can we help each other but we all have different struggles in life so every time we what I've been noticing is there's this kind of uh, push where you just you slap the word privilege on something and it's, it's just all about getting angry and mad and resentful to yeah. bring about change. It doesn't move in a positive gospel-shaped direction. So I think identifying those areas as places for compassion in kind of going, I have to be thoughtful about mm. my friend because we live in a society that is lying hard to her. Yeah. Like identifying it. These are lies that are hurting my friend. My friend is hurting and they need the gospel bomb. They need more, you know, it's like some of my friends who of the more fair skinned variety. And if we're standing outside chatting in the sun, I'd be like, we need to go in the shade now because you're going to get burnt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get burnt, but you're going to get burnt because, you know, we're not talking about, what will you call that, skin tone privilege? <laughs> I have skin tan tone privilege. I have tan privilege. I'm just going to get tanned. You're going to get blotchy. And so, like, we haven't slapped the word privilege on that, but I think being thoughtful of um, the different challenges that different sisters face, mm. especially in this area, is good to do and is a real thing. Like, it, it is they're getting hurt more about their bodies than we get hurtful words about our bodies. Mm. And and churches should look different. Churches should look different. And they should think about ways to be friendly to all sizes. I'm not, I don't know if you have any ideas. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you think about what type of chairs we have. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, it's hard. Like I used to go to a church plant and we met in a primary school and we sat on their small chairs. That would be actually harder for someone of a larger size to come along to our church plan. Yeah, if people have feedback. <laughs> yes, that's right. Help us. <laughs> yes, if you've thought about this or if you're a woman in a larger body who, you know, has first-hand experience and you've got ways that we can um, help love each other better, please, please tell us. That would be so great mm. to hear. Yeah. I think, I mean, I would hope that churches are a place where people of every body shape feel welcome and valued and loved and... Yeah, we can all do better. <laughs> yeah. And that's helpful. So things like thin privilege makes us go, oh, stop and think. 
are we doing that? And those who are struggling should share, I find this really hard. So then what would you say to a woman who is struggling with the way she feels about her body? You are loved. Uh, God made you lovingly in his very own image. And if that wasn't enough, he died on the cross to redeem you, to be with you forever in eternity with a perfect body. But right now, Satan is lying to you. Satan is telling you you're not good enough. Satan is telling you your worth lies in your looks and your looks aren't good enough. Or he's telling you, you know, it's what, what you do and that's not good enough. What other lies he's telling you? He is lying to you and you fight lies with truth, mm. which is he loves you. And you know, he loves you now as you are. And if you change, if you put on more weight, you lose less weight, your skin clears up or it becomes blotchy or you get stretch marks or you, whatever it changes, he won't change his love for you. Mm. And so um, one of the prayers that I love in the Bible is by Paul in Ephesians 3. And he prays um, for his Christian brothers and sisters for them to have strength to comprehend the breadth and length and height (laughs) (laughs) the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of christ that surpasses all knowledge like you need to have the strength to understand how much god loves you because when you're feeling low like you actually can't bear to understand how much god loves you like if i stop and think how much God loves me. Some, and I have this done sometimes. I just wander around the, around the house crying. <laughs> he loves me so much. There's, there's quite a few Easter's that, like Easter gets me. Like I just start crying. I was like, are you okay? What happened? Did, did someone die? I'm like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, pray. Pray for God to um, help you understand his love for you. And that that is that's a real prayer because it is hard Mm. so um i don't say this lightly like it's just jesus love it solves everything Mm. it it does but you have to struggle in prayer you have to struggle to comprehend how much he loves you Mm. it it's it's god's love and salvation that is the ultimate treasure Mm. and i guess is one of the reasons that I follow Jesus. I mean, yeah, the reason I'm a Christian is because of his unconditional love for me. Mm. Thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode on um, uh, COVID-19 lockdowns and housework. Um, We really appreciate everyone who's given us a go by listening to it, but also how much feedback we've gotten, all the different comments and perspectives that people have thrown into the mix. Um, now, Becky and I, we're not experts. <laughs> we just wanted to start the conversation. We realized that it's something that, you know, we'd been thinking about, so maybe other women had been thinking about too. Obviously, we, we can't say everything perfectly, and we definitely can't um, cover everyone's experiences. So it's so good to have other people throw in their comments and give us their feedback. You know, feel free to call us out where you think we've got it wrong, where we think we could be more nuanced. You know, all that stuff is really helpful to us. We want to have a helpful conversation. So we've got a couple of comments that uh, we wanted to read out about that episode. So first, I'll kick off. This one's from Tara. I appreciate so much the biblical perspective of household headship that's presented in this discussion. 
thinking about how one day my husband is going to have to stand before God and give an account of how he managed his household Mm. is quite scary. If I can help him in this task, that should be a source of joy and delight. Sometimes that means I do the dishes while he baths our kids. Other times that means I do both dishes and bath the kid so that he can earn money so we can afford water to wash everything with. (laughs) And Becky's um, sitting here with baby Tim at the moment, so (laughs) that's why you're getting fun baby noises too. He really wanted to be part of this. And I love that how Tara is saying bathing your kid and doing dishes can be a source of delight because you're serving Christ. That's really deep. Um, This comment is from Kitty. I wonder if the wondering goodness of raising a child needs more emphasis. Like we think going out to solve the world problems is greater than being in the home. But raising a child in love and security, teaching them what is right and good, giving them a functional home is a really important contribution to society than anything you do outside the home. And it's a job only that mother of that child can do, although someone else can solve climate change. It also forgets the problem of the world is sin. Your work outside the home isn't going to solve the world. Jesus has already done that, and you have the opportunity in the home to teach your child what godliness actually is. Mm. Thanks, Kitty, for throwing that in. Um, Rachel says, Personally, I struggle with simplifying the goal of motherhood back into my children knowing and loving God. I get caught up in idolizing their milestones or activities or my house chasing perfection as a measure of my success as a housewife rather than looking carefully at modeling Christ in my relationships. Yeah, that's that's a good rebuke for someone who's always looking at milestones for a four-month-old. <laughs> <laughs> Praying that he knows Jesus. It's a great one. And this one's from April. Uh, one thing to call out here is we want equality in roles that are seen by the world as worthy. Men are primarily the bricklayers and concrete pourers and do the bulk of labor work, but there's no movement for that. You know, what we want are women in positions of power. But God's plan for our lives is so much bigger than our own plan for our lives. He wants to make us like his son, Jesus. Yeah, it's, it, that's a big one. <laughs> because, yeah, we do want women in more positions of power. That's a good thing. But we also want um, men to have more flexibility in the choices they have around their work as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, from Janine, I believe that God has made each person unique, that therefore each marriage is unique, and so the decisions made regarding division of labor will be unique to each couple. I don't believe that our maleness or femaleness directs how the division of labor is to be assigned, but that each couple has freedom to work out what is best for their particular marriage. I don't think the Bible specifies who works outside of the home, who changes the nappies, who sorts out the car, who does the cooking, etc. Now, Janine's um, touched on something that has, I think, um, resonated with a lot of the listeners of this podcast, which was kind of around the gender stereotypes that... um, got brought up in the last episode yeah absolutely and I, I had said to Chen Yu oh I hope we didn't step on any landmines or I hope I didn't step <laughs> on any landmines and I guess I did <laughs> um, so I think one thing I'd like to clarify and just make really clear is okay what does the bible say about men and women is that they're different um, and the difference that is explained really it comes down to women oh. bear children and you know we have observed in the world that because women bear children, that means that they have more estrogen, men have testosterone, that these biologic, biological difference do express themselves in certain ways. 
but and they, there's studies about them but I think there's a difference between observations and what the Bible prescribes okay if you are married who's going to bear the child and give birth it's the wife mm-hmm. <laughs> and there will be um, biological implications that uh, can, will often look the same across marriages in that the majority women will breastfeed because they can breastfeed but sometimes you know there will be other times where men will be feeding with formula and they'll be doing that mm-hmm. and so I think in in some quarters um, people have taken descriptions and go oh men and women really are different look at the ways that they're more nurturing look at the ways that men are generally more this and women are generally more that and they they're trying to delight in that and go see god was right see there's difference but then you can take those differences and start making them defining characteristics and then you start making morality points that if well if you're not doing these things if you're not this picture then you're not a man you're not a woman and rather than go yeah your gender is a gift from god what that looks like it will be individual uh, one of the feedback was also one of them went oh i felt really uncomfortable with this mm. why is that why do you feel uncomfortable if I say there have been studies that measure nurturing and say women are more nurturing? Why do you feel uncomfortable about that? Um, it, it, especially if you go, you're so nurturing. How dare you call me nurturing? Nurturing is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, are there certain lies in our culture that we get offended when, yeah, we get offended at feminine females being described by feminine type i don't know i like stereotypical feminine yeah yeah why are we so offended by that but yeah there's great freedom but yeah yeah i think maybe that's kind of a a good balance to the thing about the stereotypes because um i guess you know there's evidence to suggest these things about men and women they're not prescribed in the bible what the bible says is um yeah that gives us the freedom to work out our womanhood or our manhood it, it gives us the freedom like to, there are lots of ways to be a godly woman and there are lots of ways to be a godly man so you know we don't have to try and match up those stereotypes to what the, to some kind of biblical um, authority yeah yeah and and definitely in in terms of domestic duties I think we talked about should we be getting 50 50 what's fair what's unfair and I think I was thinking about this. I'm thinking maybe fair is not, not that I'm saying we should go for unfair, but when you're in this fairness paradigm, you're already in counting. You're already in the, you're going against 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patience, love is kind, love doesn't keep a list, love doesn't say, well, I cleaned the floors and I did the cooking, so you did the washing. Yeah. Like we're already in the wrong paradigm. We shouldn't be seeking fair. We shouldn't be seeking unfair, but we should be seeking good. We should be yeah. seeking God glorifying. We should be seeking gracious in serving one another serving one i love Mm. that um in romans outdo one another in showing honor like Mm. that's often one of the bible verses i put in people's wedding cards because everyone else is doing one corinthians 13 or (laughs) one john 4 but i'm like this is good advice for anyone like that's not specifically marriage but outdo one another in showing honor like imagine if you're trying to outdo each other going I'm trying to do more housework than him. I'm trying to love him. And he's like, I'm trying to love her. Like, it's a race, but like a, a happy race. You, you don't get sad if they like, beat you. Oh, <laughs> he showed more honor than I, you know. And so that's just a completely different gospel-shaped attitude. Um, thanks, everyone, for giving us your thoughts. Please keep sending them in. They're really helping us to sharpen each other and our thoughts about this. 
Well, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving your time to listen to Eve Reloaded. Um, as I said, we're so keen for your feedback. You can email us at eveloadedpodcast at gmail.com or we've set up a Facebook group, Eve Reloaded Podcast. So search us up there. It'd be great to see the conversations that are going on. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Bye.